0: Now, Danny Meyer is coming back from the Amazon to continue our uh, Patriarch Series. Good morning. Well, had a wonderful time down in Brazil. Got a chance to see some of the missionaries that we've sent out from this church and uh, uh, folks who we support from, uh, from other churches. Uh, God's doing such a good thing in Brazil. I, I'd encourage those of you who have never considered a... Taking a short term mission trip, there's going to be an uh, interest meeting coming up sometime I think in September it's just a great opportunity to to get out of your culture to see what god's doing there there is so there are so many uh, Vineyard Church is being planted both in the Amazon region as well as in Southern Brazil. It's an exciting thing that God's doing in Brazil, and uh, just want to report that back to you and encourage those of you who are interested in uh, short-term missions. Just to be listening for that announcement coming up in the next number of weeks about the interest meeting. Before I get into our passage today, uh, let, let me mention a couple of things. Highlight a couple of things. Um, As far as the the children's ministry and looking for teachers and assistants, I I just really encourage you all to consider that, not simply because there's a need. There's a need, but that need will be filled. I'm, I'm, I'm certain of that. But there is such an opportunity to put ourselves in situations where God can use us, where we can impact others. One of the great values of our children's ministry here is that it's not just occupying our kids in the class classrooms while the parents do the important things. I just occupy you while the kids are doing the important things. The the, the kids are being formed into, into disciples. And it's just a marvelous, marvelous thing that God does. And those who have volunteered over the years to, to be used in that capacity, it, it really is life-changing. So whether you've ever taught in Sunday school classes in other churches before, here before, where you've you've not even considered it, it's a good opportunity. It's an investment of pure discipleship with our children, whether you want to teach or be an assistant. You're volunteering for uh, really every other week. It's not even a weekly uh, uh, commitment. And like like uh, was said, you get the curriculum and you get help and support. So consider going to the table right after the worship today and uh, get some more, more information about that or sign up to help out. I think most of the services, just we just need one or two teachers or, or uh, assistants. So check that out at the table. Also, I want to underline, I think there was an announcement about Vineyard Institute uh, that, that we have made these little flyers that are on the information counter. This, these last two weeks when I was down in Brazil, I had the, the privilege of of being with uh, Derek Morphew. Derek Morphew is the international director of Vineyard Institute, just a brilliant man. Uh, he did some of the teachings, most of the teachings down in Brazil And it just reminded me of what a great opportunity uh, we have here in the Vineyard. It's really, the Vineyard Institute is real international now. Wonderful classes. In fact, for those who have undergraduate degrees, you can get your master's degree now through Vineyard Institute. But even those who who are just wanting to take one class at a time and just grow in your biblical knowledge and foundation, the classes are absolutely terrific, and, and most importantly, it, it's, it's not just information, it's life-changing, it's practical, it's inspirational. So, for, for those of you who want to consider that, I just wanted to underline the fact that uh, deadline for registration for the Vineyard Institute for the fall is tomorrow. So if you are interested, grab one of these off the information counter. Go online tonight after the picnic, of course, and register uh, for it. It's it's not only economically feasible, but the classes are, uh, most of them are taught either by seminary uh, professors or individuals who have been seminary professors. Uh, Wonderful classes, but very down to earth. So consider the Vineyard Institute. Okay, we are in a series, in, uh, mostly in Genesis, looking at the life of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So let's, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to be with us today. Father, I just thank you for this series. I, I've so enjoyed it. I've enjoyed both when I've been listening and when I've been preparing. Uh, Father, I, I ask that you would meet us here today. Allow us just to be captured by your truth drawn into your your uh, word. Come and have your way with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have been looking at the patriarchs. The patriarchs are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're sort of the models of... Of faith, And we have just a marvelous opportunity to look at their lives, how God related to, to these, these foundational individuals in, in this faith walk that we also embrace and, and learn from their lives. And I, I've been waiting in, and looking for an opportunity during this series when it's been my uh, turn to teach, I've been looking for an opportunity to focus on a, a couple of points of, of theology that that, that can be drawn right from the passage. Uh, and the, the passage we're going to look at today in Genesis chapter 28 is, is made to give focus to this theological uh, point. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be not only addressing the topic today, but I'm also going to continue and finish up uh, our, our looking at, the, uh, at this next week. But let me just say this. Theology is not just some kind of highfalutin, you know, thing that goes on for those who want to just talk a lot, but not, you know, but it's, it's not really practical, and it's just head knowledge. The theology is simply the study of who God is. It's a study of, of how God has revealed himself. It, it's a study of what God does, what he thinks. It helps us to understand not only who he is, and how he functions, but it, theology is a study that allows us to see how he views us and how he wants to, to connect, on us, uh, connect with us. So this study of God, theology, is extraordinarily important and it's valuable because it gives us a framework for understanding the Scriptures. Even, even though theology is somewhat of a, a man-made construct of viewing the truth about God, it's something that is, is incredibly important if we want to, to not only understand what the whole of the scriptures are about, but also if we just want to understand a bit of, of how to make sense of life, how to make sense of the scriptures, how to, to come to understand how it is that we can, can truly come to, to know God in ever-increasing ways. And, and one of the sad things or one of the, the realities is that many people, as they approach the scriptures, see the Bible simply as a collection of individual stories, a collection of of. Inspirational and spiritual principles that have sort of been compiled and thrown together, and our, our approach of the uh, of the Bible oftentimes is sort of haphazard. You know, we we read this passage, we read that passage, and that's helpful and that's good, and we dig in and we study and we we pull out some commentaries, perhaps. We might even look in the original language and see what it meant in the Greek or in the Hebrew, and and we dig into the particular story. But what theology does is it allows us to to back up and see the Scriptures in in a holistic way to see themes in the in the scriptures so theology has broken up our understanding of who god is in in different areas you know there's the theology of the cross as a, and look at the, the the theme of 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 the cross of christ through the scriptures there's theology the theology of creation the theology of grace theology you look at the theology of of sin christology the you know, the theology and truth of who jesus is theology of the end times, theology of the Holy Spirit. It's just ways to to view God in, 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 uh, in broad threads and themes through the scriptures. So a theology allows us to step back from the specific stories and see those threads as they're woven through the entire Bible. So, that it's not just a collection of stories and, and spiritual principles, but there is something holding it together. It's like viewing a great tapestry, which, which is more than just the individual threads that are woven together, but you can come to look at a tapestry and see the, the, the threads that are woven from side to side and up to down, up and down that, that help us to see this commonality, these themes that run through the entire, in, through the entire Bible. So today, I want us to, to look at, at a couple of points of theology that I think will be extraordinarily helpful as we look at the life of the patriarchs, as we look at our lives, and as we look at the Scriptures as a whole. I, I remember when I, was, when I was a kid, my mother from time to time much to my chagrin, quite frankly, uh, would take me to art museums. And we'd go to the art museum, and I mean, in New York, where I grew up, they had the Museum of Natural History, which was great dinosaur bones and, you know, gorillas and all these stuffed animals. And that I enjoyed, but going to the art museum for a little kid was just like, you know, it just didn't cut it. And I'd go into the rooms, and it's sort of like I'd, I'd stand, you know, turn around look at the pictures okay let's go to the next room and just wanted to get it over with and my mother would know let's let's look at these pictures Danny so I'd you know go up to the wall and and you know these huge pictures that take up half the wall I'd look at the picture okay and let's and my mother would know I want you to look at it but now I want you to back up Danny and stand on on the other side of the room and and look at look at the picture from from a distance and then, okay, it's all right, look at the distance closely and, and do you see the brush strokes? and do you see how he applied the color and the shades and the, and, okay, I saw it and it was, it made it a little bit more, inter- just a little bit more interesting to be able to see it both from up close and from, from far away. There, there, I understood that what she was trying to show me is that there was value in looking at things from a variety of, of perspectives. And that's, again, that's what theology allows us to do. Theology allows us to not just view the scriptures in depth in in one little passage, but theology allows us to step back and look at themes in our study of who God is, what he's done, how he functions. You know, uh, put that first picture up on the screen. Here's a a picture. Actually, this is a rather famous picture. I'm sure you all recognize. Actually, it's just a little bit of a a famous picture. But if if you look at it like this, you know, you could... It's not the greatest picture, but you could see the different colors and you know shades and you see the brush strokes. But unless you back off, throw the second picture up, Laurie, you back off and then you can say, oh, okay, that's a section of this, This it's a self-portrait of, of Van Gogh. You could, you could see it, so there's, there's value in looking up close. There's something to be seen when you see the, the individual ways and colors that the, the artist looked at, just as there's value in digging into one little passage, one little verse, one word in a, in a text. But unless we from time to time back off and look at the scriptures and the overarching themes and, and the, the threads that run through them, we miss some of the value and some of the impact that the, the Bible should have in our lives. You know, if someone asked me about my life, You know, tell me about yourself. I I could tell them stories. I could, you know, say, Well, you know, I remember my first day of kindergarten, cried the whole day, and the second day I cried most of the day too, and I think I cried most of that week. I could tell them the story about my first day of kindergarten. I could bounce over and say, and, And I remember when I was probably about 12, my family took a vacation to Maine. I'll tell you the story about our vacation to Maine. And, and uh, oh, let me tell you a story about uh, when Penny and I got married. We got married in, in Lubbock, Texas, because that's where she was from. And I can tell you the story about our wedding. And then oh, I, I'll tell you the story about when J.T. had his first, got his first bicycle. And, and I could tell you stories, and that would give you some, some information about me. And eventually, you would sort of formulate a picture and understanding of, of who I am. But far better if, when you wanted to get to know me and asked me about myself, is I would I would look at themes in my life. I could tell you this story about about my family and my marriage and and what that's been like I could could step back and tell you the story about my childhood and growing up around New York City and and what my family was like I could tell you the story from the perspective and following the thread of 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 my call into ministry and and what the ups and downs of of ministry in my life And it would be far more valuable probably rather than just sharing individual stories into looking for these themes, approaching my life, uh, uh, following these threads. And that's, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about approaching the the scriptures and understanding theology. We're talking about understanding who God is as we follow themes and threads through the scriptures. And as I said, there are many different threads, many different themes of theology, if you will, that would help us to do this. So that's the value of, of looking at the scriptures from that that distance from backing off, it, it gives us perspective that we can't get simply by looking at it verse by verse or chapter by chapter. That's important. Don't get me wrong. It's important to dig in, but it's also important to back off. So today we're going to begin by looking at two threads or themes of theology that I think will help us to not only understand the scriptures as a whole, will help us to see the life of the patriarchs in, from, a, from a bit of a different perspective. These two themes, these two threads also I, I think will, will come to see and, and in fact are the sort of foundational to understanding the entire the entire scriptures and the the first theology is the theology of the kingdom and let me just simply say this and we've talked about the kingdom of God frequently here in the church the reason being is that it's one of the the key themes of the Bible is coming to understand who Christ is and the fact that he is he is the king of kings that his desire is to establish his kingdom here on earth as it's established in heaven The kingdom of God, simply put, is God's reign and God's rule. His right to bring His purposes and His plans from heaven to earth. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about a a location. We're not talking about a place. We're not talking about something in the future When we talk about the kingdom of God, when the Bible uses that phrase, the kingdom of God, sometimes the kingdom of heaven, it's talking about God's reign and rule, whether we're we're looking at it as it applies to an individual's life, God's reign and rule and and sovereign role in our lives individually, or the kingdom of God as it applies to the, the entire earth. But the kingdom of God, this thread, as I said earlier, runs from the very beginning of the Scriptures to the end. It runs. This thread runs from, from one side to the other and up and down. It's what holds the entire Bible, every story, every spiritual principle that we can read about. It's what holds it together, and we'll see a little bit of that today and next week. But the the, the second thread, the second point of theology that we'll look at, which, which sort of flows out of this concept of God's kingdom coming and impacting this earth, God's reign and God's rule permeating the earth, his will being done here on earth as it's being done in heaven, the second theological focus that I want to look at today is a theology of the incarnation, incarnational theology. And the the word incarnation uh, simply means in in flesh, in the flesh. And it speaks specifically, uh, especially, of Christ, the Son of God, stepping off the throne of heaven and, and becoming human, taking on human form, becoming flesh. That God drew near, God drew close. When I was in Brazil, the word for, for, that you use for meat is carne, incarnation, in the flesh, when you go into a restaurant, they'll say yeah, you want frango, you want you want chicken, and it's a no, 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 carne. I want meat. Give me flesh. I want yeah. Put animals in my gut. That that's that's what it's talking about. And the, this this incarnational theology. Sorry to all vegetarians and vegans here. This incarnational theology is the 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 focus on seeing this thread throughout Scripture of God drawing near, not just just when Christ came and was born and lived here on earth, but various other incarnations and pre-incarnations of God drawing near. God coming close. God coming from heaven to earth and coming to us. So this, this theology of the kingdom of God which is, speaks to God's reign and rule permeating this earth, not just being established in heaven. This, this notion of God wanting to sovereignly bring his will and his purposes to earth, that's kingdom theology, and it's what holds the scriptures together. This incarnational theology speaks of God actually becoming human, becoming flesh, dwelling among us. That's what I want us to see today, and it becomes clear as we look at this this passage in Genesis chapter 28. Kingdom theology, incarnational theology. It's what I would call open heaven theology. Understanding that God never intended for there to be these two separated realms, the heaven and earth with some imaginary great barrier or wall or fence or curtain that separates what is going on in heaven and God's function in heaven and what goes on in earth. But unfortunately, that's what has become the reality for most of us. We see heaven as out there, somewhat mysterious and glorious, and then there's earth where we shuffle around and stay busy until Jesus comes but God's intention has always been for an open heaven where there is there's is not this divide there's not this this separation Where the the reality of his kingdom and his will which is being done in heaven is permeating this earth. Where we as as his creatures are able to take handfuls of heaven while we walk firmly in this earth. We can take handfuls of heaven, handfuls of his purposes, handfuls of his will and his his desires and bring it from heaven to earth. Open heaven. The kingdom of God coming. Coming incarnational reality that Christ can come and touch this earth in us and to us and through us. So today we're looking at at Genesis chapter 28. Let's go ahead and jump into that passage. This is about Jacob. We have Abraham. And Abraham had his son Isaac, and Isaac had his son Jacob. It says in verse 11, when he, when Jacob reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. This, I take it was before, uh, you know, memory foam pillows and, you know, uh, sleep number beds. So, you know, what, what number is that rock? It's a, it's a hard... Putting that aside. Okay. So he, he, he goes, he's tired, he's been traveling, takes a rock, puts it under his head, and he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God, literally the messengers of God, were ascending and descending on it. I mean, there's a picture in this dream of open heaven. where where God's messengers and God's words and purposes were just flowing between heaven and earth and between earth and heaven. there There was open heaven. The kingdom was slicing into this earth. And there above stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, Jacob's grandfather, and the God of your Father Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, all peoples on earth who will be blessed through you and your offspring. Those of you who have been following this, this series through uh, the life of the patriarchs recognize what, what God was saying in this dream is, Jacob, the promise that I gave to your father, grandfather Abraham, the promise that I reaffirmed to your father Isaac, Jacob, this promise is, applies to you, and it will flow through you and through through your descendants. The promise of land, the promise of descendants, the promise that indeed the entire earth will be blessed through your descendants. Goes on to say verse 15 God says to Jacob I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised God is saying to Abraham to Jacob that I am with you, I'm watching you, I'm following you, I'm not going to leave you. There's again this assurance, this promise, this focus on, on open heaven, access, the, the taking away of any kind of, of, of notion that there's a division, a separation between heaven and earth, between God's rule and reign in heaven and God's rule and reign here on the earth. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He recognized in this impactful dream that indeed changed his life forever, he recognized that God is is present here. God is not like the idols that the, the foreign nations worship. Gods who are far off, gods who, like the Bible says, who have mouths but can't speak, have arms but can't touch, who have eyes but can't see. But our God is present. He's sending his messengers up and down between heaven and earth. There's an open heaven, there's an access to him, and there's a drawing near to us. And then in verse 17 it says, And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, And this is the gate of heaven. Jacob himself understood in this moment that heaven wasn't far off. The dwelling place of God isn't way far away and for a different time. You you following me? Jacob understood because of this vision, through this vision, that there was access to God's presence for him. God was drawing close and that he could draw near to God. And, and that was a powerful, powerful message for Jacob. And this dream, as I said, it changed his life. It revealed to him, it, it underlined God's intentions. And this reality of open heaven, this reality of a kingdom. The reign of God, the rule of God, was, as we'll see, wasn't just for Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob. This is a a thread, this is a theme of the Scriptures from beginning to end. But stepping back from this one story with Jacob, I want us to see this. I want us to see this, this open heaven theme. With, with all the patriarchs, we, we recognize as we study their lives over the last number of months, each one of those patriarchs, each Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, model for us this intentional desire that God has to draw near to his people. There are examples of this, this faith walk, a walk, a journey that should be marked by, by open heaven, by moments where we see God coming close, taking hold of our lives. Moments where we are just drawn and and ushered right into His presence and sense His presence and can respond to His presence. A life that is salted with examples of of God coming and, and establishing His reign and His rule, His purposes, His plans, His intentions in the lives of His people here on earth. Times where, where, where God, where heaven touches earth. Where, where the boundary, it, it just is blurred. It seemingly disappears. And where there's genuine connection. And I, I want us to be gripped by this today. This, this theological reality, this theological truth. Of of an open heaven. I mean, we see in the life of Abraham when Abraham was called in Genesis chapter 12. You know, he was just a pagan in a pagan country until all of a sudden the God of heaven and earth came and spoke to Abraham. Said, I, I want you to to come and, and to go and to follow me into a into a land. And I want you to follow me on a journey that you don't even know where it's headed. But all of a sudden, if you will, heaven opened up. And God began to speak to this man Abraham. And in that moment, that certainly changed Abraham's life. And he probably thought, my word, God is not far off. This God who was vague and, and so distant and so, so hard to, to know. He speaks. He draws near. He calls me to draw near to him. It marked Abraham's life. We see the same thing in Genesis chapter 15. God grabbing Abraham again and speaking to him. And we see God wanting Isaac, Abraham's son, to have this this understanding, this reality, that there's not this thick curtain between heaven and hell, this high wall that that separates us, but with Isaac as well. There were moments in Isaac's life where the reality of the kingdom slashing into earth, the reality of the, the open heaven between heaven and earth, gripped Isaac and changed his life. You, you remember the story we looked at a number of months ago, weeks ago, we looked at it a while ago, where, where Isaac was taken by Abraham off because God had told Abraham to take this son of promise, Isaac, and sacrifice him as a living sacrifice. And and Abraham was an obedient man. He didn't understand it, I'm sure, but he got his armload of wood and... And went off to where God told him to go to make the sacrifice. And got there. They waited there for three days. And, and Abraham, Isaac probably was looking at his dad. and Because he, he, he saw the handwriting on the wall. You know, the wood. And you know, he was going to do a sacrifice. And they'd done animal sacrifices before. But the day arrived. And, and Abraham started to make an altar. And Isaac's looking, waiting to see, okay, what, what What's he going to sacrifice? And then Abraham takes Isaac and lays him on this this stone altar. Isaac says, Dad, dad, where's the animal that you're going to sacrifice? Abraham says, well, God will supply. And Abraham is sitting there looking at his son, his his beloved son, who's been promised to him. And he himself wondering, God, where are you? What, what, what are you doing? And he takes out his knife. And his son says, but where's the, where's the sacrifice, dad? And Abraham said, God will supply. And Abraham's waiting and he, he lifts his hand over his son Isaac. And I'm sure Abraham's heart was breaking and Isaac's eyes were, were huge. And then all of a sudden, God shows up, puts puts an animal to sacrifice there right before him that became the sacrifice in that moment. You can imagine the impact that that event had on, on this young boy Isaac for the rest of his life. That God is able to draw near. God comes close. God saw me. God's plan and purposes and his good and gracious will is not something far away. And nor is it just words on some page. But the the grace and the mercy and the goodness of his kingdom reign came and touched from heaven to earth. And, And here I am today remembering that. It impacted Jacob. Because God wanted to make sure that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, oh, I'm sorry, impacted Isaac. He wanted to make sure that they, their lives were, were captured by this notion of open heaven. And now with, with Jacob, th- this dream that, that was so vivid that reminds Jacob that there isn't this barrier between God and, and you but there is this this stairway that can be ascended and descended where God draws close and where you can draw close to Him. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all examples of this faith walk. If you look at at Hebrews chapter 11, it defines faith as, as confidence in what we are hoping for. The assurance of things that we can't see. This, this faith where we, can, where we can draw near and come and, and have those moments where, where we see what God is doing, where we're impacted by his hand and his activity. But again, it, it's just so easy to be short-sighted and to think, well, but that was the patriarchs. That's for them. They were special. But this thread of open heaven, of of kingdom truth, kingdom theology, of God's desire to reign on earth and to rule on earth and his will to be done on earth as it's being done in heaven, it wasn't just for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob either. And if we take a step back further, we'll we'll see clearly this, this theme in the Bible, this thread wasn't just for the patriarchs. It wasn't just for certain special people but it's a thread we can follow from the very beginning of the Scriptures to the very end. From the first chapters of Genesis to the last chapters in Revelation, we see this desire, this passionate, earnest intention of God's to come and be near His people. And if we don't allow that, to impact us here at Vineyard Church of Delaware County, if we don't allow that truth and the reality that God wants to draw near to us and and impact our lives and be known by us and be actively touching our lives and moving in our lives and, and that we don't understand that we have access to draw near to him in our homes and at work and as we gather together, then how sad. Because that's the intention of God, revealed through every story, every individual passage. We see the evidence of that thread of God's kingdom coming. In the first couple of chapters of of Genesis, we read about how God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. That's how it was intended. That was why the Garden of Eden was perfect and wonderful, because God was present here on earth with his children, with his creation. And then in chapter 3, we see that intentional availability, that open heaven interrupted. And because of sin that came in the world, all of a sudden, we see this evidence of of a, a tearing, a breaking of that intimacy, a breaking of that accessibility. And it wasn't just in God's part. In fact, it was initiated by Adam and Eve. What, what does the Bible say in Genesis chapter 3? As God came and was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and what did Adam and Eve do? They hid. That, that when as sin entered the world, what broke? Open heaven. What broke this this awareness of our accessibility, that the, the, the reign and rule of God that was in, in one sense handed to, to Adam and Eve to be ruling under his ultimate rule. He told Adam and Eve, I want you to, 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 uh, to subdue this earth and rule in this earth under my ultimate rule it was all sabotaged, and it was forfeited to Satan. And that's why from that point on, Satan was referred to as the ruler of the world. Open heaven was interrupted, was disrupted. The rain was forfeited. And God put man outside the the garden. And what we need to realize is that all that we read in the Bible from Genesis chapter 3... So to Revelation chapter 22 is the intentional rescue mission that God Himself instituted to reestablish open heaven. Every story that you read is woven together with this thread of how God is reestablishing His reign and His rule. Every story that we read, Old Testament and New Testament, is held together by this thread, this this theme of the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God being reestablished on this earth. It's the overarching theme of the Bible, this concept of, of the kingdom of God, It holds all things together. And it's it's the key foundational theology that helps us to understand everything in the Scriptures and helps us understand the reality of just who God is and how he wants to relate to us. God has always wanted open heaven. It was the reality in Genesis chapter 1. It will be the full reality in Revelation chapter 22. And all that's taking place between those chapters is this earnest, desperate desire for God to convince us and to reestablish this this experiential understanding that the walls are being taken down. That there's this... That the... the, the, the the ability to experience his presence is is being reestablished. And let me just say this. The the greatest, I've alluded to this before, but the the greatest threat to the church, to, to this church and any church, is not liberal theology. The greatest threat to the church, though that's a threat, the greatest threat to the church isn't that liberal media, the, you know, the, the liberalization of the culture. That's not the greatest threat to the church. It's not, you know, the those producers in Hollywood and the greatest threat to the church is the loss of confidence that we have open heaven. The loss of the reality that Christ is with us. God is available. He is drawn near. That we would gather together on a Sunday morning with, with little or no expectation that God has invited us to come together. That God is here today. That God has intentions That we we sing songs and it's just words on the screen rather than something that we come into the very presence of God and He draws near to us. And we get to worship the King. That we gather together without any expectation of what might God do in my life today. How, How might I be changed when I walk out the front doors and dramatically different than when I walked in because God is here and there is an open heaven available to me. That's the greatest threat to the church. That's your greatest threat. That's my greatest threat that I would just shuffle through this life and fail to be gripped by the fact Jesus, all that he's been doing, all that God has done from the very beginning of the Bible through the very end of what the Bible reveals is reestablishing this, not just a concept, but the reality that heaven and the reign of God and earth and our life here is not separated that Jesus is a king of heaven and earth and he's reestablishing what was lost in the garden but today and we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week so be, be sure to come but today we would really be foolish we would be missed if we ended just with with this concept and, and didn't take a little bit, a little bit of time to, to practically talk about how can we maintain and enjoy these moments of open heaven. How can we learn to to recognize them quickly, and, and in fact, how can we even enhance the likelihood that they will occur more frequently? all of which are possible. And I just wanna finish by making two two points before we we have time of ministry. There are two things that we can do if we wanna learn to recognize them more quickly, if we want to even usher them in more frequently, two things. First is to establish reminders in our life of this reality, of this truth let's finish this chapter. Listen to what, what it says. Verse 18. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil, oil on top of it and he called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey that I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I can return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that, he, uh, that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, uh, I will give you a tent. What what Jacob did is he set up. He took his pillow and he used it as a stone of remembrance. That Israel would be reminded, and eventually building around it, would be reminded that God draws near to us. God sees what you're going through. God knows your situations. God understands you and he wants to walk with you and he wants to watch over you and he wants to lead you and guide you in this journey that you're not alone. He wanted it to be remembered. And if we want want to, to walk more aware of this open heaven, we need to be putting reminders in our lives. I mean, one of the things that I've done for years and years and years is on a regular basis, there are a number of, of individuals, a number of guys that I just meet with regularly. You know, some every month, some every other month. But it's, it's, it's regular because I know that these individuals are going to help me to to get my eyes off of my circumstances. They're going to help me and they're going to ask questions of, in my li- of my life about what's happening and help me to get my distracted eyes refocused that God is here and God is available and God is at work and they help me look to see that. Very valuable. Are there individuals in your life that you have set up to provide that kind of regular reminder. The, the spiritual disciplines, whether we're talking about Bible study, we're talking about uh, prayer, or spiritual meditation, or, or fasting, the spiritual disciplines, we're all given as, as reminders in our life to help us to see and remember truth concerning who God is and, and that He's there with us. Gathering together on a small group or on Sunday morning. It's opportunities to be refocused and reminded of who he is. So build reminders. Ask yourself of what are the reminders in your life. Simple things. Praying before a meal. Just a reminder. God is here with us at, at this table. And beyond reminders, create intentional dependence. I mean, what, what did Jacob do? He, he said, among other things, I am going to begin to give 10% of all that you give me, God. I'm going to give it to you. And it wasn't just some kind of activity. It wasn't because well, I got a little bit of money left over. It was putting him in a, in a position where he was dependent, because he could have used that. He was dependent on God to provide, on seeing the hand of God give him what he needs in that moment. We need to purposefully, intentionally put ourselves in situations where we're dependent on God, where we need His presence. We need that open heaven. Entering into risk in, in praying for people, where we feel we're way out of our league. It's not something that I know how to do. Well, good! Then you'll be needing open heaven. And when we're in those positions, Indeed, that's when God does provide. Going in and teaching the kids—when you think, but I, 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 it's not something I've done before. Well, great! What an opportunity to see God provide wisdom and direction and opportunity. You know, when we pray for people up front, coming forward to getting to get prayer, puts you in a position where you say, "Lord, if if." If heaven doesn't open up, if your kingdom doesn't come now, you know, then nothing's going to happen. Exactly. But it, those are those moments when God does provide, when we're in positions of true dependence. Coming up and praying for people. Well, what do I have to offer? You know, there's, there's nothing in these hands that's going to help them. Well, exactly. But you're putting yourself in a position where you say, Jesus... If heaven doesn't open, if you don't provide, if your presence doesn't come, nothing is going to happen. Those are the moments where God shows up. So putting ourselves in, in purposeful, intentional places of dependence on him, that's when and how we'll see more regularly, more consistently open heaven. Why don't you stand up? Here's what we're going to do as we finish up. As I was praying earlier, I felt like God said, I, "I want to pray for for healing today, and that God is going to provide healing for a great number of us." You know, there there are those here today who have different needs—physical needs or or spiritual, emotional healing. God wants to meet you today, and He's going to pour out grace, and you're going to see Him move. I felt like the Lord gave me a few things that I that I want to specifically uh, ask. Uh, I, I felt like there are a number of people here today who have had, of late, uh, maybe it's common, but you've been having s- some vertigo, dizziness, and God wants you to get prayer time. Who's that? Just raise your hand, individual. That once you come and get prayer for that, I also felt like there's there's individuals here who who suffer from uh, insomnia, and for some people it was because of of secondary issues. You, you know, uh, whether it was uh, you know sleep apnea. For some, it was. Uh, I felt like there were some who had uh, what do they call it uh, uh, something reflex. What's it called? Yeah, acid reflux disease, and it just keeps you awake at night. Uh, But there are a number of people who don't have any reason, who just suffer from insomnia. Who's that? Just raise your hands. Uh, I want you to come forward tonight, because I think God wants to to come and be present and bring healing there. I I believe there are individuals here who are dealing with various gastrointestinal problems. Some are chronic, and some are more just of late. Who's that? Raise your hand. Uh, irritable bowel syndrome and Crohn's and uh, 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 whatever the others are called. But uh, you know, definitely come forward if if you're having gastrointestinal problems. And also I I felt like the Lord said there are individuals here who are dealing with some significant work-related stress. And I felt, as I asked him for further info, I, for some, it's, it's, uh, it's f- concerns about job security, or some may have work-related stress because you don't have work. And, and for others, it's just situations that have arose recently at work, but it's caused a lot of, of stress and tension. Who's that? I felt like there were a number of people in that situation. Why don't you definitely come forward. But we're going to take some time. We're going to do one more song. We might go a minute or or two over. But I want to invite you to come forward. Put yourself in that purposeful position where you are looking for, for the presence of God, inviting that open heaven. Let's make sure everybody that comes forward has someone praying for them. Whether I mentioned a need that you have, if you have a need today, come forward. Let's pray. Let's see God move powerfully, and graciously in our midst. Why don't you come forward? We'll need a number of prayers, so if you're not up here getting prayer, you are duly deputized to pray. If you're not sure you know how to, then stand next to somebody that is looking like they know how to and and pray with them. We need a lot of men, a lot of women. Come on up. Make sure everybody up here has someone praying with them. Don't make me come and get you. You know I will. So come on. If you're out in and you're part of this church, you are to be praying for others. Great opportunity to see open heaven. Put your hand on their shoulder and just say, Jesus, bring your kingdom. Bring your provision. Open heaven up right now. We need more prayers. We want everyone to have someone praying for them. Some more men, some more women. Charles. Guys, we need some men up here. Good. Father, we invite your presence right now. Open heaven up, bring your kingdom. Come Holy, Holy Spirit. Hey Charles, right here. Bring your spirit, Lord. Bring your power. We speak to physical conditions, emotional conditions, relational circumstances. Open heaven up. Let your will be done right now here on earth as it's being done in heaven. Come, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit.
1: There's no place I'd rather be There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. But here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. But here in your love, here in your love set a fire down in my soul. I can't contain that I can't control. I want more of you, Lord. I want more of you, Lord. To set a fire down in my soul. I can't contain that I can't control. I want more of you,
0: Father, that's our prayer. That's our desire right now. Open heaven up, Lord. We want all that you have for us. Let your kingdom power, authority, healing, and presence come. We just speak to the diseases. We speak to the conditions. We just tell them to go. Jesus, even as you looked at blind eyes and you told the eyes to be open, ears to be open, we just come with the authority you've given us and speak healing. Rest at night. We say to insomnia, no more. Open heaven up. Give us eyes to see. Just that reconnection between heaven and earth. Remind us throughout the day that the walls are coming down. The separation and the division is no more. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring your kingdom into our lives, into our bodies, into our families, into our workplace.